You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. It's really hard for most white people in America to understand what the alienating experience is like of being the only person of your skin color in a room. And yet, that's an experience that many black people in this country have become accustomed to. It's something we deal with all the time. And for Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, it's kind of an ironic way of life. A Republican from South Carolina who is also the only black GOP member in the Senate. Scott's unique position often requires him to maintain an odd duality to represent his race to Republicans and to represent his party to his race. What's it like to be on that island in Washington? Political feature writer Tim Alberta talked to Tim Scott and wrote an article for that magazine about Scott's take on his position. It's titled, God Made Me Black on Purpose. And that's where we want to continue the show here on Detroit Today, talking about race and politics, talking about Democrats and Republicans, the U.S. Senate, and representation. Tim Alberta, feature writer for Political Magazine, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Hey. Um, so let's start with the title, God Made Me Black on purpose. That is uh, a, a voicing of something that Tim Scott is saying. What does he mean by that? Well, I think he means a, a lot by that. I, I think the sort of distilled version is, you know, he, he, he firmly believes that, you know, his place in politics today, not just as, you know, any African-American at any generic period of history, but as the only black Republican in the Senate during the Trump administration and a time of, you know, real racial tension uh, across the country. And uh, I think certainly xenophobia in, in nativism in parts of the electorate, uh, and especially in his own party. I think he views uh you know, he's a very religious man, a very a deeply spiritual man, and, and he, uh, I think, is convinced that God has put him in this place uh, at this time in history to be able to sort of speak uniquely to these challenges and, and speak uniquely from his own life experiences, which are really quite extraordinary. And I think uh, as as many of his colleagues who I spoke with for this story kind of emphasized to me, both Republicans and Democrats, both white and black uh, and Hispanic, that really there's nobody who can speak to some of these moments in quite the same way that Tim Scott can, because he sort of has a has a, uh, a foot in so many of these different universes. And I think that's what he means by God made me black on purpose. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think a lot of African-Americans look at someone like Tim Scott and wonder, how he reconciles being an African-American with being a member of the Republican Party. Uh, I, I think when you look at the things that the Republican Party has done in the last 30 or 40 years, the way that party has changed dramatically, uh, the the policies that they have endorsed that have been really, really difficult, uh, made life even more difficult for African-Americans in this country, a lot of people say, "Well, how can you how can you even be part of that and call yourself an African American? How can you call yourself a crusader for civil rights, for instance, and be a member of this party?" Uh, I, I'm really curious about the ways that Tim Scott uh, answers those questions uh, for you and the way that he addresses 
again, that duality that I think uh, for a lot of people is a head-scratcher. Sure. Well, and we spoke a lot about this, Stephen, and I think it's, it's a challenge for him, especially given the events uh, really over the last 10 years or so, where, where you have seen, I think, much more uh, of an aggressive, hardline stance in the Republican Party on issues like immigration, for example, and more sort of racially provocative rhetoric regarding President Obama and, and, and um, welfare and any number of, of, of other issues. And not to say that it did not exist before that, but it certainly seems more concentrated uh, in the political discourse over the past decade or so. And I think that the challenge for, for, for Senator Scott is both giving voice to that and, and not acting as though it does not exist, but simultaneously trying to uh, retain his political backing in a first in a congressional district that he came from, which was overwhelmingly white, mm-hmm. and now in a state that is not just a, a, a pro-Trump state, uh, but this is South Carolina. This is this is this was where uh, just a few years ago we had a, a knockdown, dragout, very bloody, very emotional fight about taking down the Confederate battle flag from the grounds of the state house. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Uh, Senator Scott uh, is someone who it could kind of be viewed through the prism of a throwback Republican Party, somebody who uh, got into politics and, and really was not sure. Uh, he described to me the story when he was first getting into politics, and he wasn't sure what his party affiliation would be. But because he was brand new, he went to the Democratic Party headquarters and met with them, and they told him to get in line. There were lots of other people who had paid their dues, and when he went to the Republican Party headquarters – you know, kind of winking and nodding, they were salivating over this, uh, you know, young, uh, well-spoken, successful businessman uh, who was an African-American uh, at a time when obviously the party had very few of them. And so they put him at the front of the line. And of course, he won and the rest is history. But when I talked with friends of his, they sort of acknowledged that Tim Scott could very easily be a Democrat right now, had it not been for that early experience. But I think the reason that he stayed in the Republican Party is he is uh, sort of in that throwback Republican style as far as just being a very pro-business sort of chamber of commerce style Republican. This is, this is somebody who uh, started their own business, who grew up in poverty and, and speaks a lot about uh, personal empowerment and, and the ability of people to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. So I think in that sense, it makes uh, it, it, you can understand why he would view himself, especially once he was in the party and running for office why he viewed himself as a Republican, but there's no question that as cultural and, and societal and racial issues have swirled over the last decade or so and really intensified, that I think his own relationship with the party has become strained. There's no question. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Tim Alberta, a feature writer for Political Magazine. He recently published a profile of Senator Tim Scott titled, God Make Me Black, on purpose, Tim Scott is the only Republican uh, who is African-American in the U.S. Senate. Uh, he is from South Carolina and considers himself uh, a crusader for equality and justice, even though the party he belongs to has a long track record in modern America of pushing back against those things and, quite cynically, in fact, manipulating race as a tool to energize white voters' resentments. Uh, what do you think of Tim Scott and the, uh, the space he occupies in the U.S. Senate or in American politics? Is it possible 
to be a Republican and an African-American? Is it possible really intellectually to reconcile those two things in a way that is honest about both sides of that equation. Tim Scott says it is. I'm really curious about what our listeners think about that uh, that posture. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we will work you into the conversation in particular. I'd love to hear from African-Americans who consider themselves conservatives or Republicans. Talk to us about how you reconcile those things uh, in your life. How do you reconcile the idea of conservative ideology uh, with the existence of African-Americans uh, in this country? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, uh, Tim, the barbershop that you frame the article with has two pictures hanging on its wall that stood out. One was President Obama and the other is Senator Scott. And this gets to, I think, this this reconciliation that uh, Tim Scott uh, sort of forces on uh, discussions about politics and race in America, this idea of coexistence uh, with someone like President Obama. In, on his home turf in South Carolina, I imagine that um, African Americans have an even more unusual view of this because they see it up close. Talk about where he's from and how people perceive him there. Yeah, it's it's really very fascinating to spend some time with Senator Scott in his neighborhood and. Uh, you know, to meet people who knew him from the time he was a child and to see where he grew up. So this is someone who his parents separated when he was very young and his dad essentially left his family. And he, he saw his father, he said, maybe once or twice over the ensuing decades, but was raised by a single mother. And uh, she had no choice but to move uh, with her two young sons uh, into a very, very small kind of shack style house off of a dirt road in North Charleston with her parents and he took me to the house and it's uh, it's almost uh, the size of a large shed uh, that you would keep you know uh, landscaping tools in a very very small place they shared a bed he and his brother and his mother and he lived there uh, throughout his childhood and uh, he took me to the barber shop where he got his very first haircut and it's in uh, to say the least just a very very tough part of north charleston which is a very tough city and uh, and he's been going there for 50 years. He's 52 years old. He had his first haircut there a half century ago. And there was actually a shooting in this barber shop uh, several months back. And his team kind of made an ultimatum. His, his staff made an ultimatum that, you know, you can't keep going there. And he told them to, to take a hike, that, you know, they're not going to change where he gets his haircut. <laughs> and it was fascinating to watch him talk with, with his friend, the barber, and with some of the other patrons. Uh, this is This is somebody who as I write in the piece, Stephen, sort of tends to, has this very unique ability to straddle disparate worlds uh, with, with great ease. Uh, you, he seems completely comfortable, completely in his own skin in a black barber shop uh, with his black friends in a black community. And he seems equally comfortable surrounded by, and, and by the way, you can, it was very easy to tell that they, that none of these folks at the barbershop shared his political affiliation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And at the same time, uh, just as at ease and comfortable in his own skin 
with white Republicans in sort of a country club atmosphere. And I think that's sort of what makes him so unique. Uh, what's interesting, when I talked to some other folks uh, who, who came from the same area, Senator Scott, and knew him back when, they sort of make the they sort of make the argument that, look, if we want the Republican Party to be sort of purged of those very things you were just describing a minute ago, Stephen, um, we can't have people like like Tim Scott just walk away from the party, right? We we need people who, of color who bring different perspectives, who can try and take the party in a different direction on matters uh, of race relations, and I think you see that with. Not many, but some other black Republicans uh, around the country, but black Republican candidates. You have a candidate for U.S. Senate there, mm-hmm. um, and you had another uh, Supreme Court justice who, who had dropped out of the race. So I think you – and that's the argument you will hear from lots of them. I, and I think especially it's more relevant now in the era of Trump where they will, where they will sort of essentially come to a place and, and say, look, uh, I don't deny that the party uh, has a very troubling history on some of these things, but – what happens if we all just walk away from the party? What happens then? Does that do anything to sort of improve uh, the discourse between the two parties and within the party itself? So, but it's a, it's a, I think a very personally challenging situation for Senator Scott because when he comes home, he does hear about this from friends and from family members and from people he grew up with, and it's something that uh, I think he is conscious of and has to deal with uh, in a in a real world way every single day. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, when he's in Washington uh, as a senator, as a member of the Republican Party, uh, there are times when he transgresses, uh, I guess, the lines that uh, that the party has sort of established in terms of what it expects from its members. And I'm thinking now about this, the stories about uh, police violence toward black men. Scott made a very impassioned floor speech about the very real bias against black men by authorities in America. And Speaker Ryan said he believed Scott. Um, but what is the what's the influence that he has over people like Speaker Ryan in terms of opening their eyes to what reality is like for African-Americans in this country? Or is this more like a, 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 a using kind of relationship? In other words, uh, is the white majority in the Republican Party uh, comfortable with Tim Scott being the voice of those things, and then they go back to doing the other things that they were uh, focused on before? Boy, that's a, a very good and very complicated question. Uh, I think it's a little bit of both, at least from my own experience, uh, well before I reported this specific story, but just knowing the senator a little bit and covering him. uh, You know, it's funny, back in, uh, let's see, it would have been January of 2016, so just before uh, the primary season got underway, actually Paul Ryan came to South Carolina, and he and Tim Scott co-sponsored and co-hosted an event there, uh, and I forget the exact name of it, but basically it was about uh, economic opportunity and, and upward mobility. And and Speaker Ryan opened that event by taking these not-so-subtle jabs at Donald Trump and talking about how our party needs to be a party uh, of acceptance and of equality, and, and we believe in opportunity for everyone. And he talked about how he had really come under the influence of Tim Scott and had and had uh, and that he was one of the Republicans who, from the time Scott came to Congress, just began sort of listening 
and viewing some of these issues in a whole different light. So I don't think there's any question that Scott has had uh, a considerable impact on some of his colleagues, and, and that when he comes to the Senate floor to give a speech, which he actually does quite rarely, uh, mm-hmm. he's someone who's known as sort of outspoken and jovial, but he actually is, is uh, really known to be kind of calculating, and he really chooses his spots. And when he comes to the Senate floor, I can just tell you from being in the building when it's happened, it's almost like people drop what they're doing and they, and they run over to the floor or they run to a TV to, to see, see what he's going to say. Uh, it's almost like appointment viewing. So Scott has that, that influence. I don't think there's any question about that. But at the same time, Stephen, I don't think there's any question at all that there are lots of other Republicans in the party whose views on, on race have not fundamentally changed in any way over you know, the years that Tim sure. Scott has been there. And they're happy to sort of point to him and say, well, look, how can we be racist? We, you know, look at my friend Tim Scott. But they themselves are not in any way uh, significantly changed or, or viewing the world in any in any uh, different way because uh, Tim Scott is a member of their party now. But they are happy to sort of use him. Uh, and, and, and we talked about that very bluntly. He feels like he was used as sort of a prop by the party mm-hmm. when he first came to Washington. Uh, for people to say, look, you know, how can the Republican Party be racist? Look at this guy, Tim Scott. So I think it's a little bit of both, and, and it's kind of a complicated answer to a, a very complicated question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the same time, I'm curious about uh, his relationships with black Democrats. Uh, there are two black Democrats in the Senate, uh, so immediate colleagues of him, and then, of course, there are lots of African-American uh, members of the House uh, in the in the Democratic Party uh, how does he get along with them? What's the relationship look like? Well, it's actually very good, and, and it's really funny. Uh, the relationship between Tim Scott and Cory Booker is, is known to be kind of one of the funnier relationships uh, on Capitol Hill. These guys have become very, very, very close friends. And it's interesting, Cory Booker will joke that he should have been a black Republican and that Tim Scott should have been a Democrat because Cory Booker grew up uh, with with both parents. He was very wealthy. He was Ivy League educated. Mm-hmm. So he sort of fits the profile of the Republican. And whereas Tim Scott came from a, a single family household and grew up very poor and was sort of a self-made man. And so Booker is always joking that, I, you know, I should have been a Republican. Scott should have been a Democrat. <laughs> and, and, and Scott likes to joke that uh, Cory Booker graduated summa cum laude and that he graduated thank you laude and they've got this and it's and it's not a forced thing which you can see through very easily on capitol hill when things are forced these guys have this very organically funny and sincere friendship with one another and what's really interesting is they did an event together right after the tax reform bill passed and became law and booker kind of did chapter and verse in front of this audience on why he doesn't like the tax bill. But then he stopped and he said, but credit where it's due, I think there's one enormously helpful thing in the tax bill, and it's a, it's legislation that I sponsored with Senator Scott that establishes these opportunity zones across the country that incentivize financial investments in distressed communities. And that was something that uh, Tim Scott really took a lot of pride in when, when they were trying to get the tax reform bill across the finish line. The bill was passed on a party-line vote. It was a very partisan bill. But that specific language that Scott was able to get into the end product was something that he had worked closely on with a number of Senate Democrats, starting with Cory Booker. It was wow. sort of their brainchild. So 
that was just an example of how those two have worked very closely together and have not just a, a personal relationship, but kind of a political alliance. And, and Kamal Harris actually was very interesting. Her communications director uh, tweeted out the story about Senator Scott and had a very interesting note where he said, ideologically, I have nothing in common with him, Scott. I couldn't disagree with him more, but I tremendously respect his successes and how he has overcome some of these things to be where he is at. And yeah. he said something very interesting. He said, the challenges of being a black man in America are nonpartisan. So, so I salute Senator Scott. And I think that was uh, a very telling response. Sure. Scott has a good relationship with that office as well. Yeah. Okay. Tim Alberta, feature writer for political magazine. Thanks as always for joining us here on Detroit today. Thank you. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station and community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.